welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us today. We like to frame our announcements and our practices that you'll see in the exact same order in your bulletin. Uh, the first of which is radical hospitality. And we want you to know we have a cookout planned two weeks from today. It will be directly following the worship service. So we have one 10 a.m. service on Sunday, July 30th, two weeks from today. It will be the traditional service and it will be here in the sanctuary. And then we'll go um, out on the grounds or in the Family Life Center uh, for the um, cookout portion of that. So one service on Sunday, July 30th. Uh, we like to keep our calendar as tight as possible. We used to have a number of run-ins with our um, different entities wanting to use the space or outside groups wanting to use the space. We've had nearly uh, none, if none, in the last six to ten months. And I'm grateful to all of you for um, writing Aaron and making sure that you, we know that you want to use that space. We have one slight change on that. Um, Aaron is handing that responsibility to Leslie, our new uh, office manager. So when you want to request a space, it's also in your bulletin. You'll notice it if you'll write uh, Leslie at memorialgreer.com. We believe in passionate worship. And you've got opportunities um, to share prayer concerns with a card in your bulletin, in the um, pew. But I also want you to use the number in your bulletin if you like. We've um, previously only used the number there for pastoral care for emergencies. We immediately hear that um, you have that concern and get it to uh, either me or the person uh, that is visiting that particular time. But I also want you to use that announcement, that uh, number, if you have a concern you'd like to simply share with the um, uh, prayer team on Tuesday. So we'll change that wording a little bit in the bulletin. Call that number anytime and leave a specific message and we'll share it or come visit you should we need to. Uh, Aaron has an announcement about uh, Wonderful Wednesdays. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries, and um, I'm excited about our Wonderful Wednesdays program, which kicked off last week from 9 to 11, children ages 3 and potty trained through 5th grade, quite a span, <laughs> um, are invited to join us, and um, we are looking at the three of the five practices this summer and having a fun uh, day, water day at the end. So last week was radical hospitality, and if it's not radical hospitality to take three through seven-year-olds downtown to hand out lemonade, I don't know what is. <laughs> but I, we did a, they did a great job, and um, we had lemonade to spare, so we stopped at the police station, which was the highlight of the day, where they could give uh, little tiny cups of, of lemonade to policemen you know, three feet taller than I am, and um, it was really sweet and wonderful, and I think that they learned about welcoming uh, people to our church. Uh, this week we're studying passionate worship, and we will be in here for part of it and running crazy somewhere else for part of it so they can uh, focus when they're in here, but we will have um, a lesson in the different elements of worship and ways we can worship, and if your child is coming, please have them bring a favorite stuffed animal or doll because we will have an exercise where they learn about baptism. And, and that will be really special. So hope to see your children there and feel free to bring a friend. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron is also looking way out in the program year for um, uh, Wednesday dinners. Ash Wednesday is Valentine's Day. And so we, the dinner would normally be the Wednesday before that Valentine's Day. And so we're doing a quick poll. If you'll just write as the attendance register goes by, if you'll write, we're seeing maybe we do the dinner and the service on the same day on Valentine's Day and, we're, and we'll make it fun uh, for everybody to gather. So if you'll write in the attendance register that 
yes, I would do that. Were you to do that? We're trying to get a little bit of feedback, and we'll continue to do so um, before the dinner. We believe in risk-taking mission and service, and uh, as part of that, we have a parents' night out. Our youth are sponsoring that. They will um, care for your children from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. on July 23rd and then have a lock-in following that. So if you uh, will bring your children to be taken care of by the youth for two hours, go out on a date, you can give them a donation and they will give it uh, to mission. Uh, Finance Committee and McClyman Committee uh, meet tomorrow night. Uh, we want to thank uh, the men for giving our women in the choir rest, and we want to thank uh, Dale for leading us. Uh, he is clearly a gifted uh, leader and, and always a great uh, sub for Renessa. Thank you, Dale. If you'll uh, please stand as you're able and join us in our first hymn. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first uh, scripture reading this morning is taken from Psalms 119 verses 105 through 112. Hear the word of the Lord. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the space in which we may gather. We thank you for the truth that we can find in the text. We thank you for the inspiration that we feel in song and prayer. Help us focus this morning, Lord. Help us to set aside all the things that are outside these walls that we can hear your story of poor soils, that we can hear your story of generosity, that we can hear your story of patience. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering, and you can give online as the instructions suggest, or you can give as the plate goes by. The only thing I'll note to you about our extravagant generosity section is it represents two Sundays.
may be seated. The day the ushers come down and they're all younger than you are. That's the start of that, I guess. But I'm also quite grateful that there's plenty of people younger than me and that I'm getting older and have more years in this job. Our scripture today, it comes from uh, Matthew chapter 13, starting with verse 1, and it's on page 1516, or within a couple pages of that in your pew Bible, 1516. And I'll read different parts of it, so you'll want to keep it open with you if you like to read along. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got in the boat and sat in it, and while all the people stood on the shore. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is a dream. Large groups of people when you've put a serious amount of time into something that you've planned. We took the girls to Rock Hill, or actually we picked them up from Rock Hill from my parents and showed them around Rock Hill to 15 or 16 parts that had a deep impact on my life or Katie's life. One of which we just sort of stumbled into, which was Cherry Park, which is this massive softball park and um, biking complex and playground in the middle of town. There's a recreation complex inside it. And I said, there, I had a seventh grade dance party that I did not want to have, but it was the thing to do. And I just looked out the window and wondered if people would come. After that, they, and they did, thankfully. And the boys stood on that side and the girls stood on that side. And occasionally like one person would go to the middle and dance like this, right? Mostly we just ate Doritos and M&Ms. But that day forward, I thought, I want to limit the times in which I'm desperate for somebody to walk in the door. And then I chose a job where a lot of what we do is watch how many people walk in the door 52 times a year. The real darkness of that that I felt has never been here, and really rarely ever. But when I did a new church start, and we were uh, next to nothing, and we continued to grow periodically, if we had 78 one week, I didn't want 77 the next week, much less 41, much less 68. So the summer, it was that same exact feeling, looking out the window, wondering if people noticed that we even exist, and if they were willing to come. A huge crowd is here. And that's a blessing to any leader, and in fact, it's enticing to any leader. Because leaders determine momentum based on how many people are now coming. Leaders, if not checked, determine their worth based on how many people are coming. Leaders say things to draw more people even if they don't believe them all the time because they think this will draw more people if I can say something that pleases them. But today's different because Jesus is always different. Jesus, with this rather large crowd, talks about something being limited. And we don't often get that. Because we could go to one of seven or eight places within five or six miles and get pretty much any piece of fruit or vegetable that we wanted, any drink that we wanted, any dessert that we wanted, within five or ten minutes. And if we couldn't find the store, in fact, this is the only place I've ever lived. Remember, remember my first six months I said, I feel like New York City is about two hours from here. Because everything is two hours from Greer. 
Never in my life have I been, could I walk to the downtown and drive to the Target in five minutes. But we could get anything. We could also order it and get it in five minutes. We don't understand limited very often. But there's a couple occasions in our life in which it happens. There's a limited amount of scholarships to a college. And whether it was us or whether it was our child or whether it was our niece or whether it was our grandchild, whomever it was, we were hoping against hope that a group who had a very limited number of spots would choose this person that we deeply love. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But we truly get it in that moment. Sometimes we want to go to an event and there's a limited number of tickets. And it might have something to do with price. It might have something to do with whether you're a season ticket holder. It might have something to do with um, how fast you did it. It might have to do with the way that you bought it. But we might experience it that way. The harshest way that we experience it, the most real way that we experience the most frequent way that we experience it, especially in the summer as we gather at beach houses, lake houses, Grammy's house, whomever's house, is there's one brownie on the plate. One. And there used to be seven brownies on the plate. So, and there's six grandchildren. And of course, the grandfather ate three of them when nobody was looking. Right? Is that right? I'm hoping that's the dream, that I, once I make it that far, I'll get to eat three of them. And people start counting when there's something limited. Who, wait, how many do you eat? People start fibbing when it gets that intense. Uh, no, I didn't. I only ate one. I only ate like half of one. People start investigating when it becomes that intense, and it's a topic of conversation for a full day at the beach as to who ate that second brownie. Nobody wants to eat the last one. And people begin to look out for themselves. So Jesus, with this large crowd, which is truly a gift to any speaker, decides to talk about resources and whether people think they are limited or not and what, in fact, to do with those limited resources. Verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So a bunch of reasons why it didn't work out. In fact, three out of four. Limited or no progress. One, because there's no soil. One, because there's no depth. And one, because there's no defense to protect this seed. And, you know, I took uh, a couple of classes in seminary on sermons. I took one on parables. And the professor of the parable class said, whenever you figure you've got a parable nailed and that's it, there's no other question, he said, that's when you might get a little twisted. He said, there's a number of different angles that you can approach this parable. He said, normally people think that the owner is God or Jesus. He said, but can go all sorts of different directions. So let's take it a couple of directions. One is, he's saying to these people, 
75% of you will not get this for very long, if ever. Because they are a particular kind. He might be saying, within all of us is all four of those soils. We could be one on Monday, we could be one on Tuesday, we could be one on Wednesday, we could be one Friday through Sunday. You ever look at somebody and they go, in, in terms of this story, and you go, hmm, sidewalk. Sidewalk. No way anything's getting in there, period. You might look at a person, you might look in the mirror and say, shallow soil. I can take something in, but I can't keep it for very long because I'm so spread, so thin with so many other topics and so many other pursuits that I can't really take root. You ever look at a person and say, thorny? Thorny. Weeds grow effortlessly and with great energy and endurance and choke out anything in their path. Sometimes a blessing with a flower, many times something that's choking out the thing that you want. So no, no soil, if you use it as the metaphor, someone might completely reject this word. No depth, they might not have any longevity. No defense, they have negativity that dwells within them or within their environment and they can't take it in. So you tell this crowd, I tell you, 75% of y'all aren't going to get the sermon today for very long. <laughs> what if I said that each Sunday? How the crowds grow or dwindle over the next 52 Sundays. But he doesn't concern himself with that. He's laying it out to them the way that they need to understand it. So they might ask, why waste 75% of the seed that you have in your bag? See, Jesus has drawn normal, hard-working people who have limited to moderate means, who don't waste anything. Farmers who know that I'm only putting the seed where it's going to work out. Fishermen who know I'm not wasting my time over in that corner. I'm only going to the spot where I know will produce fish. Would look at Jesus when he says, 75% of this ain't going to work out and say, what are you doing? Why are we putting that time in? Because we don't like to waste time. We don't like to waste resources. We don't like to waste food. In recreation much less our occupation. So not only has Jesus asked them in many cases to leave their occupation in order to follow him, he's given them examples of people in their occupation giving a ton away to things that may or may not work out. So is this not where we get in our relationships? We start doing math. We start doing math with our loved ones, either a spouse or a adult parent with an adult parent or adult parent with a child or a child with a parent or a teacher with a student or a coach with a player we start doing the math and we say 75% of my interactions with this person are difficult because they either can't hear me they don't hear me they don't want to hear me they don't listen they don't do what I want them to do it doesn't work out most of the time that's why a team like, uh, um, you know I love baseball, the Houston Astros are something like 16 games ahead in their division. 
They have more wins than anybody in Major League Baseball. And guess how many people are coming to the games? A ton. Guess how many people were going to the games when they were 16 and 50? Not that many. We like things that work out. We like things that are successful. We especially like things that aren't as much work and are successful. And I'm prone, I'm bad as a leader to want to reduce anything that's any waste of any kind to not cost us anything in our pursuit of what we're trying to do. He says 75% the sower is scattering seed. Verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. So there's another part of math. And in fact, the spot that hit the 25% that was good soil grew dramatically. So you might think he was saying, but of course in this 25, it'll work out more than you think. I don't think so. I think it's a call for generosity. Jesus took this opportunity to do two important things. This is um, any crowd that has gathered around him wants to see him do some sort of miracle like magic, just do something cool. Wants them to heal either them or a loved one. Wants him to stop talking and they're just tracking him, writing down every terrible thing they think he says or are somewhat inspired by what he says. He says to that crowd that has all those types of people in it, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be harder than you think. And if you watch any movie or read any book of any person who's trying to, gather, trying to reach some height, the first thing a mentor does to them is reject them and say, no, you don't want to do this. No. There's no way you want to pay this price. And that person, what do they do? They stick around. But then somewhere in the path, the price becomes too high for them or they uh, get some sort of incentive to go in another direction about 55 minutes of the way through the movie until they're drawn back and realize that there is no way around it. They're going to have to pay this price. And Jesus tells them, this will not work out more often than it will. What if you were to hear that as a group? What if I were to say that in premarital counseling? What if I were to say that as a restaurant manager? I don't know, this thing gonna work out most of the time you order food. Would you be up for it? He says, number one, this is gonna be difficult, but number two, neither he nor God would ever ever hold back even if it was see because if we're doing the math on whether someone is worth it or not or whether a job is worth it or not or whether our call to ministry is worth it or not and we start to see 25% results we go mm. but if we are the math that God is doing wouldn't we want God to try a little harder and hope that it works out over time without question We'd say, oh yeah, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it, it's worth it. Please do it. He says, I nor God will ever hold back regardless of how difficult it will be. 
And so this is what we're to draw from this text, at least today, as we read it. God gives without limits. God is reckless with resources. God always hopes, always loves, always dreams. God waits until we can finally return on all that has been poured into us. So I pray, that you be, I pray that you be patient with yourself this week. That you be patient with yourself in this walk. If you can somehow be patient with yourself as you're trying to figure out this walk, I bet you, you can be more patient with other people as they try to figure it out. Because as this parable tells us, we're going to offer it to anyone, anywhere, anytime, and be reckless with the love that's been given to us recklessly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll please stand as you're able and join us in your final hymn, number 596. If you're a guest here today, we're so grateful that you came. I'll be more than willing to stick around with you and show you around campus. We also have brand new booklets in the back to give out to guests um, with um, all updated information. I'm grateful to our staff for putting that together. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of 
of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.